0: Learn more at marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Oh, got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks it down. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, I'm back in Colorado for this one. We're going to go through a couple of different things today. Um, I think first, we're going to knock out real quick. Um, I ran through a bunch of different mock drafts, six different NBA mock drafts, uh, just to check out. Where people have kin going, and you know whether he's getting drafted. Uh, so we're we're gonna go through some of those uh, to start things off, and then there were a couple of things that I found on the internet that I wanted to talk about. Um, so in the same way we've been kind of like previewing some of the things that are coming up this year, I found some previews from other places that are previewing their game against Colorado. Uh, there was one from a Texas A and M site. I'm not going to lie, it was not very insightful and kind of got things wrong, and so I'm not all that interested in what that had to say. But there was also a a Texas A&M perspective um, that just was like predictions for the game. And so uh, I figured that'd be kind of fun just to run through what they had to say about the predictions for the Texas A&M-Colorado game from a Texas A&M perspective. Um, And then also... uh, the, the 24-7 sports website for the Minnesota Golden Gophers, they did an incredibly in-depth preview of the CU-Minnesota game that's the week after the Texas A&M game. And when I say, like, incredibly in-depth, I mean, like, they're going through every position, who left, who came back, you know, all of the the recruits that are coming into the roster, all of the, like, there's a bunch of details there and about a paragraph written about every um, every position. And I'm not really sure we're going to go through all of the details, but we'll hit some of that stuff and some of the bigger picture things they had to say. Um, and that's the plan for today is talk about Ken a little bit, where he fits in and uh, talk about what the uh, perspective of those CU games are from the enemy side. It's going to be fun. Um, before we get into all that, though, real quick, want to remind you guys about the Colorado XOs, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. They are a brand-new rugby team. Uh, they just finished their first season, and they actually just had their sixth player signed to Major League Rugby. So, uh, the way it works is, like, they work at the same training facility as the U.S. national team, which I think the men's and women's teams both just left for the Olympics. Um, But, yeah, they, they train right there. The goal is to get a bunch of athletes who played other sports, get them into rugby. It's a cool thing that is going on. Like I said, six already into Major League Rugby. And you can follow along with DNVR Rugby on Twitter, the podcast, or the written content on the website. All right. Um, I think we can go through this pretty quickly. Um, again, the, the reason we're talking about this is because, well, first of all, because the draft's right around the corner, and I think everybody's curious where McKinley Wright fits in. Um, and you'll remember, when we talked about this a few weeks ago, and the reason we talked about it then is because it was right before the combine, Kin was on the outside looking in. You know, we ran through some of, like, the big, poor rankings, all that kind of stuff, And typically, he was slotting in right around like pick 70 75 or 70 75 overall, or not recruit, but uh, prospect. Um, Somewhere in that 70 to 80 range, probably. Well, he performed very well at the combine, definitely helped himself there. And now, a couple weeks after the combine, we can. Look at these mock drafts and see what uh, what changed and whether he is now somebody who is expected to be picked in the NBA draft, which is only sixty picks. Um, here's what I found: I was able to find six mock drafts that went through the second round um, because you know n- nobody at this point is saying Kin is a first round draft pick. Um, but here's what I found: first of all, three of them said that he was going to be undrafted. Uh, USA Today, The Athletic, and NBADraft.net. They all said, I mean, first of all, I guess they didn't say anything about him. They uh, just left him off because he wasn't in their 60 picks. But he was picked in three of those six mock drafts, which is definitely cool to see. Uh, First of all, ESPN had him going number 59 overall to the Nets. Um, Bleacher Report had him going... 58 overall to the Knicks um, and Tankathon had him going 57 overall to the Hornets so as you can see he's really uh, squeaking in in the places where he's drafted and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch draft night I mean maybe not like the first round because I don't really care but watching that second round and seeing if he gets his name called is going to be a lot of fun the draft, by the way, is uh, July 29th, which is two weeks from Thursday. So, getting closer. Um, of all those mock drafts, though, only one of them wrote anything about Kin. They all just like had the pick and his height and weight and moved along. Um, except for Bleacher Report, which again had him going 58th to the Knicks. They said, scouts are suddenly thinking about right for a two-way contract after watching how he impacted games at the Combine with his unselfish passing, tough defense, and pace. So yeah, I mean, really nothing new to Buffs fans in there, at least Buffs fans who paid attention throughout the uh, Combine like we did on this podcast. Um, But yeah, you know, about what you expect. They like his passing, they like the defense, they like the pace Sure, all adds up. And what changed was uh, they got to actually see, the scouts got to see it at the combine. Um, The two-way contract thing is interesting, kind of. Um, You know, I think that obviously if you're on a two-way contract, the way that works is you get like a set number of days that you get to spend with your NBA team. But for the most part, you're playing with a G league team. And I think that that probably is where Kin fits in right now, but we got to wait and see, you know, the other place he probably fits in is just in Europe for a year, or maybe in the G league for a year, it would be a better path for him. Probably not so much money, but more attention from NBA scouts. I wonder what that conversation is like when you're sitting in Kin's shoes. Um, But, yeah. Two-way contract, somebody who is gonna get shot with the NBA team, because it's not like he's somebody who you're drafting and developing. You know he's also like he isn't just one of those guys where like he is what he is. No, he's going to get better, but he's probably a lot closer to his ceiling than a lot of the other players in the draft. And so you might be able to just throw him into some NBA games and see what happens. Um definitely exciting. And again, even if he doesn't get drafted He will almost definitely get a chance to play in uh, the Summer League, which starts, what, like a couple weeks after the draft. And if he plays well there, I mean, there's going to be, what, five guys maybe who play in the Summer League who aren't under contract, who get signed to contracts, most likely two-way contracts. And I think that if Ken doesn't get drafted, he's one of the ones that you really look at. As being likely to to find a way into the league at this point. Um, So yeah. There's basically the full update on Kin's draft stuff. Um, Obviously got the bump that we expected him to get after going to the combine. And I'm not sure there's going to be too much news coming out going forward. Um, Maybe like some workouts and that kind of stuff. But for the most part, this is kind of it. We're only, what, 16 days away. So, yeah, uh, there we go. We're going to, before we get into a bunch of this football stuff, I'm going to take a quick break um, and uh, pay some bills. So, first of all, I want to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, I do this a lot, and that's because I like those beers a lot. Um, I'm back in Colorado, like I said earlier, and what, what kind of Breckenridge beer do I need? I feel like in the summer, nine times out of ten, it's Strawberry Sky or just the Seltzers. Um, Didn't have any yesterday at the golf course, which is too bad. It's rare that I go to a golf course and don't drink anything from Breckenridge. Um, But, yeah, uh, definitely really good beers, really good Seltzers. I've told you about all of them. Um, You know, the Seltzers are, I think, my favorite Seltzers. At this point, um, the the honeydew is good. Uh, I mean, they're all good. The lemonade seltzers. I've, I've said this before, but like, they're definitely kind of sour, which is good. But if you're in a situation where you're like on the river and drinking a lot of seltzers and trying to put them down quickly, maybe not the go-to, or at least not my go-to. They're better for just like, uh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a nice drink. I'm gonna sip it. Whereas the other seltzers, you can really pound them. But uh, yeah, there's a, there's some of my thoughts on record beers, I guess. Um, and I guess I should also say that one percent of their profits all summer are going to the National Parks Conservation Association. It's a really cool thing they're doing, and we definitely love to support the parks. Also, DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, I really missed DraftKings while I was away. Um, i did I, did i make money last night i don't think i made money i had I, I hit on trevor winning his first round matchup in the home run derby um and that was like i think it was plus 160 maybe uh so it pays for a little bit extra um but what else did i get Oh, I'm not sure if there was a 520-foot home run. I guess I could probably check my account and see if there's money there. Um, But I think I hit on two or three of the six bets. One was plus 160. So, eh, decent night. Not too notable one way or the other. Um, But it's just so much fun. And the home run derby was absolutely a great time to uh, be on the DraftKings app. If you missed out, though, don't worry. There's a whole bunch of other stuff on the way. Obviously, football's right around the corner. We've still got baseball. There's a little bit of basketball left. I uh, I was going to bet on Milwaukee to win the the last game, the game three of that final series. They're down two zip and going home. And then I decided instead of that, I'd take them to win the series in seven games and see if I can make a lot of money. And they won that game. Are they, they might be playing tonight. They must be playing tonight. I haven't heard anything about it, but sometimes I don't pay enough attention. Um. But, yeah, uh, that's fun to bet on. And football's around the corner. I can't wait for football. Uh, They have an awesome promo going right now where... You can bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. Um, either of the two teams that's still in contention. If you're a new user, you can bet one dollar, and if you win, you get one hundred and fifty dollars in free credits. It's a great deal. Um, either the what the the Hawks, not the Hawks, the Bucks or the Suns. And if they win the next game, that's obviously 150 to one odds. It's a great time to get in. And if you're not on the DraftKings Sportsbook app yet, um, yeah, download the top red DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR when you sign up and turn $1 into $150 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you will claim $150 in free credits. That's promo code DNVR for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Uh, these football previews. Um, let's knock out this Texas... A&M one first. So this comes from the the Texas a and SI Maven website. It's so complicated. <laughs> um, but they had uh, three of their writers put in predictions for this game. They called it like the way too early prediction series or whatever. And uh, the first one from Matt. Galitzan, the managing editor and publisher, he says the Buffaloes really struggled in their Alamo Bowl loss to Texas to, to the Texas Longhorns last season, though it was not entirely indicative of their overall talent. Moreover, the trip to Denver, thanks in part to the elevation, will be a difficult one for the Aggies. That said, Jimbo Fisher's team will be the most talented team on the field here. Aggies win going away after a tough first half of play, moving to 2-0 on the year, and his score prediction... 41-24 Texas a Cole Thompson, a columnist slash editor, says this is going to be a telling game under center. The Buffaloes are returning nine starters and 10 total players with starts in 2020. Uh, must mean on the defense. The defense will be a year older, looking to allow less than 400 yards of offense on the day. The real test will come at the wide receiver position. Chris, Christian Gonzalez was vastly underrated in his first season at cornerback, shutting down Pac-12 receivers every Saturday. a and will need to see if Chase Lane, Desmond DeMost, Caleb Chapman, or another name can become the leading target. The Aggies win, but not as high as fans want. Neutral sites and AM go together like peanut butter and vinegar. Get you by, but it'll never go down easy. He has uh, Texas a and winning 31-17. Uh final prediction comes from Tim Hamm, a staff writer. He says the biggest question mark for the Buffaloes in 2021 is at quarterback. Sam Noyers transferred to Oregon State, and it looks like the signal calling duties may fall on freshman Brendan Lewis, who led the team to three touchdowns in the Alamo Bowl. Tennessee transfer JT Shrout will be in the mix at quarterback and will add some experience in the room. The game is technically a neutral site, but proximity to the Colorado campus should still make it feel like a road game. Questions on offense for the buffs and the experience of the Aggies defense should make this one tilt toward AM or toward an AM road win. Texas AM 30, Colorado 13. Yeah, I mean, I can't really blame any of these guys. And to be honest, like when I make my prediction It's going to be somewhere in that two-touchdown range. What were these? 30-13, that's a 17-point win. 31-17, that's a 14-point win. And 41-24, that's a 17-point win again. So 17-17-14, I'm going to be right there around 14 probably. But like I said a couple weeks ago, I do see a path to Colorado winning this game. Um, when you look at it, I think you just have to say like on paper, you look at these two teams, what they accomplished. Sure. Colorado's trending in the right direction. There's a lot to like last year. They were a good football team last year, but Texas A&M was one of the five best teams in the country. And sure. There's some turnover, but I think you still look at this game and say, it's probably Texas A&M winning by 14 points or so. Again, Colorado isn't far off. And if things click, they get a couple breaks. I mean, I don't even know that this is like... It's not about like what the... It, the big question here is what are these two teams? And I could see Colorado being a better team than people give them credit for next year. And I, I, I mean, I think that is the case. How much better though is the real question then, I guess. So yeah. Can they go out there and shut down what you've got the the two running backs and the tight end that you really worry about on their offense. You've got the pass rusher and I mean just just like a generally stout defense more than anything. Can you pull a couple touchdowns out, make some splash plays and then keep those guys on offense quiet? I think that that's very much in the cards. Or, you know, after watching that Texas game, do they just kind of get pushed around a little bit? Yeah, um, interesting to see their perspectives, though. And we can move on to uh, this preview of the game, the Minnesota game, from the Minnesota perspective, from the 24-7 Sports Minnesota website. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to touch on the uh, what they say about the offense and defense in their summaries and then uh, if you guys want more than that, there's plenty written about all of the positions specifically. Um, we know most of that, though. But, again, it's more about the big things here. This offense has the makings to be pretty good this year if they get a little more out of the quarterback position. noyer's the incumbent there, but will miss practice recovering from an offseason surgery, so the backups... Well, wait a minute. When was this... This just came out like a week ago. Yeah, July 7th. Well, okay, so not <laughs> not off to a hot start as Sam Noyer is in uh, Oregon somewhere, whatever that place is called. Um, here's what they say. Running back is a loaded group, including the reigning Pac-12 offense Player of the Year in Broussard and the return of the 2019 leading rusher Fontenot. A receiver and tight end, there are a lot of pieces to work with there with several returning playmakers here. And lastly, the offensive line is returning four starters, but things could get interesting there if they have an injury or two. This offense matches up really well against the Gophers. Defense. Um, The rankings do not look great for Colorado's defense in 2020. None of the rankings are better than 71st here. Four of six games over 30 points allowed. Admittedly, the defense never really recovered after losing their best defender, Landman, to injury in the Utah game. So it's difficult to say if the defense would have continued to play at the same level they played at against San Diego State and Arizona. As far as SP Plus returning production, Colorado is bringing back 9 of 11 starters and the bulk of the backups as well. Um, and then they have the bigger summary... Oh, no, maybe that was that the only summary? No, there it is. It's possible that Colorado's defense is a sum of its parts greater than the whole situation. There are some legit playmakers on this defense, especially in the back eight. But in the aggregate, this defense did not statistically rank very well in many categories last year. Landman, if he returns from an Achilles injury, Wells, Gonzalez, Blackman, Lewis are all quality players. No question about it. Colorado does have some question marks along the defensive line and figuring out a couple starters at linebacker and DB. So I'm very interested in seeing how the gopher offense lines up against the buffs defense. Yeah, that's fair. Um, a little more critical, the defensive line. And that's something we've seen. We've talked about this before when, uh, it was the pro football focus position rankings for the PAC 12. They had the, the defensive line very low as well. Honestly, I get it. Um, Terrence Lang is really exciting, but also, you know, not who you want your number one defensive lineman to be, at least based on what we've seen before. Now, if he puts the pieces together, he has the physical ability, and these are all things we've said before, then yeah, he could be kind of the star of the defensive front, with Jalen Sami serving well in his role, you know, being able to just kind of clog things up in the middle, and they've got one other spot that you're rotating guys to, whether it's Naeem Rodman, whoever else. I think that Colorado fans, the reason that they're a little bit higher, the reason why I'm a little bit higher, because I cover the team, is because we know that there's a bunch of guys kind of just waiting in the wings. And because there's, what, like eight guys you're excited about at this position, the potential for somebody to really break out this year just feels like it's pretty high. But on paper, sure, yeah, if you say the starting three is Lang, Rodman, Sami, I could see why that's not nearly as intimidating. And that was kind of my bigger takeaway here. Um, interesting, though, to hear that the offense fits well against the Minnesota defense. What they're probably saying is Minnesota doesn't do well stopping the run. They're higher on their DBs. Again, I, I makes sense. But uh, definitely something to tuck away. And here was kind of the most interesting part. And the thing that I really wanted to talk about... Um, because uh, I thought that this, first of all, is like an interesting way to put it. But at the top of the story, um, they do some different things. Um, they say the level of excitement, 1 to 10, to 7. I think that that's about right. You know, I, I think that there was a world in which somebody says, oh, Colorado, they're whatever, blah, 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 blah. That's, they're no fun. But yeah, I feel like 7 is a fair rating from their perspective. Can you go out to see a cool campus playing a good team in a power five matchup? You know, it'd have to be USC or something for it to be a 10 on the ra- rating system, even though, you know, how, how I don't know. USC is USC. It, it's whatever. Um, the big one, though, and this is what I thought, what really caught my eye, um, level of concern, 1 to 10. Put it in an 8.5. Which is interesting. And I guess like maybe take a Texas A and M game for example, the level of concern might just be low because you're you go into that game saying, Yeah, this is probably one that Colorado loses. Again, I I'm, I definitely see a path to things working out, but it's one you go into and say, You know what, if you lose it, it's it's kind of whatever and so the level of concern is kind of low. Um So maybe that's kind of a factor um, that like the best teams aren't necessarily like a 10 level of concern, um, which could also be the case, though. Um, Eight and a half, though, that's showing Colorado some respect. And I think that it's a fair rating. And uh, yeah, I thought that that was uh, kind of interesting, at least to me. Um, Here's the prediction. We'll go through this whole thing. I offer that up mostly to give Gopher fans. We're cutting into the middle. The closest approximation of comparison to what the Gophers will match up against. Wait, who did they compare it to? Oh, (laughs) compared them to Nebraska. Oh, wow. Um, But yeah, Uh, he said, this is a winnable game for the Gophers. And if you like offense from both teams, I think you'll be highly entertained in this game. But... Having to play this game on the road, I think will ultimately tip the game in Colorado's favor as I think Colorado edges the Gophers 31-28. to 28. Yeah. I, again, I, sometimes... I, I went into this expecting the Minnesota fans to say, uh, Minnesota's going to win this one. Like, it might be a close game, whatever, but the fact that he wound up choosing Colorado to win... Again, it's a show of respect and also a show that we, as people who follow Colorado, are not crazy. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I thought that stuff was interesting. Hopefully you did too. I think that's going to do it for today. I'll be back tomorrow and uh, I will see you then.